0: that you're able to join us for this worship service Uh, thank you for those of you who are joining us in person as well we're so glad that you're here especially if you're new online or if you're new here we have people with yellow lanyards that you can talk to please find them right here is beautiful elder say who has a yellow lanyard you can talk to him after the worship service is over Um, but for those of you online you can also uh, fill out our next steps card Uh, you can fill out the meet uh, pastor eric uh, card and i would love to meet you uh, um, uh, usually after our service uh, at at some point in time. But, but please do fill out those uh, things for us to connect with you. Uh, well, uh, before we jump into today's sermon, I wanted to make a quick announcement about our future sermon series, all right? Uh, next week, we're going to have an installation service. Uh, I was voted in as the lead pastor. And so uh, next week, um, a guest preacher is going to be flying in, a, a mentor, and a friend of mine will be giving the message. Uh, and we'll also be having uh, just a big celebration for that. And then the following week on May 23rd, we're going to start a brand new sermon series. And this sermon series, we're entitling it, this is not my name. This is a, something that uh, our staff kind of put together. It's called Relationship Status. And of course, it's coming out of Facebook and that little line that you have there in Facebook. And really, the sermon series is all about relationships, not just marriage, not just dating, but also friendships, a singleness. And even we're going to talk about in our first sermon about the community of the church, like what is that supposed to look like? as we relate to one another, uh, to our pastors, to our elders, and just as a church community. And so I'm really, really excited because it's a fun message series. We've been kind of doing some serious stuff the last couple uh, months or so, but uh, this will be pretty fun uh, and just a good time for us to talk about marriage, dating, friendships, and church relationships as a whole. So go ahead and check out this uh, bumper as we uh, 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 trailer this. So, yeah, invite your friends, invite your family members, invite anybody who has, uh, you know, questions about relationships or, or, or whatnot. It'll be a really, really good time for us to kind of explore uh, that segment of our faith. You know, it, it carries a lot of weight, in our, especially in our culture, to be dating, to have friends, to do these types of things. And so we want to see what Scripture has to say about those things. Uh, well, we do have our sermon for this week. This is the final installment of a five-week series that we've been going through called The Ascension. And we've really been walking through, okay, what happened 40 days after Jesus rose from the grave. And we've been looking at what Jesus was trying to do. And really at the end of the day, he was preparing his church to live and to die for him. He was getting his church ready to send the people out so that they could be missional in their lives. And so for the last four weeks or so, we've been preparing you guys for this. And a really today's sermon is sort of the climax of all of these things. We're, we're, we're bringing, bringing in everything that we've been talking about over the last few weeks to really talk about the single mission that God has given to us. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Acts chapter 1. We're just going to look between the verses of 6 to 11. Uh, If you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. We'll have it up on the screens for you. Uh, Or if you're worshiping with us at home, uh, it'll be right there uh, up on your television screens. Uh, But uh, with that said, if you're able to, would you rise with me as we read God's word together? Uh, We're going to read this uh i'll i'll um i'll pray for us and then i'll seat you uh here and then at home uh after the the prayer so let me go ahead and read this this is the reading of god's word so when they had come together they asked him lord will you at this time restore the kingdom to israel he that's jesus said to them the disciples is it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father is fixed by his own authority but you will receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who has taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let me go ahead and pray for us. Uh, Father, we want to thank you, God, for these words. Lord, at this time, we ask that you would empower me, Lord, to really preach your true and, 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 and words, un, un, unadulterated, Lord. We just pray that your, your, your spirit would really work in the hearts of each and every person here. And, Lord, that you would be glorified and magnified today. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. All right, so we have three points. Our first point is, what is our mission? Uh, the second point is what blocks us from this mission, and then finally, our last and final point is what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? And these are uh, this is actually the title of our sermon as well. What are you waiting for? Uh, so let me go ahead and dive into our first point. What's our mission? Uh, If you guys have been with us for a while, you know that I love football. I played football in high school. Um, I, 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 you know, I I actually started playing in middle school. And the position that I took on was called center, right? And the center was uh, the guy who hikes the ball back, if you're unfamiliar with football. Uh, He hikes the ball back to the quarterback, and he protects the quarterback. Well, the other job that the center has is he does something where he calls the huddle. He'll call the huddle. He'll say, huddle, huddle, huddle. He'll bring the wide receivers, the linemen, uh, everybody to him, the running back. And then when he calls the huddle together, the quarterback will then step into the huddle. He'll give some kind of like, you know, rah, rah speech. He'll give the play, and then he'll say break, and then they go out and execute the play. Okay, this is what football is all about. I imagine, right, if I'm the center and I call this huddle together, I'm like, huddle, huddle, guys, get around, get around. The quarterback comes into the play, into the huddle. He gives us a speech. He says, hey, guys, we're at the one-yard line. We have to just punch it in. Uh, lineman, if you can push forward. Running back, you just got to really, you know, run this ball hard into the, the touchdown, you know. And, and, and that's the play, guys. All right, are you, are you guys ready? Dive right's the play. Ready? Break. And then we break. And then imagine this, right, imagine after that huddle's done, we break and everybody walks off the field. They don't accomplish the play. They just walk right off. And they say, well, that, that was a that was great play call, quarterback. Man, that was a fantastic play that you put together. That was a very motivational speech that you gave. Fantastic. Let me go get some Gatorade. Uh, let me go get some power bars. Uh, man, this is a nice, solid bench here. I'm going to sit down and just relax now. Imagine that. That would be ludicrous. That would be absolutely insane. Why? Because after the huddle is over, what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to go out and then execute the play. They're supposed to execute the mission that they've been given. And if you look here at verse 8 in our passage today, right, Jesus gives this last huddle. He calls together his disciples. He's appear, He's been appearing to them one by one, right? He appears to the women at the, at the tomb. He appears to Peter. Then he appears to the 12 disciples. He appears to Thomas, right? He appears to the 500. He appears to his brother James. He appears to all these people. And then finally, he's gathering all of his disciples for one last sermon. And he says, look, this is what I want you guys to do. This is the play call. This is what you as a church have to do now. Okay, listen to what he says in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Not you will be my consumers, not you will be selfish, not that you will be any of these things. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This is Jesus' play call. He's telling us this is the huddle, this is the play call, now go out and do it. This is our job. This is our vocation. This is what we were called to do. If you don't know, vocation just means a calling. That's all it means. Vocation, usually when we say that word, means our job or something like that, right? But in in reality, what it means is a calling. And what I'm trying to say is that your first calling is not a software engineer. It's not a UX designer. It's not a teacher. It's not a lawyer. It's not a doctor. It's not any of these. You're not a nurse, right? It's Your first calling is a missionary, This is our single task as a church, as Christians. If you call Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior, then you are a missionary. And every Sunday when we gather together like this, this is the huddle. This is where we do the play call. This is where we motivate you. This is where we feed you. This is where we get you guys to understand, hey, this is Christ crucified on a cross. This is where we fill you up, right? This is where you come to rest and be restored. But this is also a place where we are now being missional, And we go out and we execute this play that Jesus gave to us. It's very simple. Today's sermon uh, and this passage is super, super simple. And I think Jesus made it that simple. Because he's saying, look, like, it's not about your job. It's not about doing this thing that you studied for your, your entire life. It's about me and my mission. That's it. And yet every Sunday I tell you the gospel, we listen to good songs, right, we do all these things, and then guess what, most of us, including myself, we walk out the field, we we don't execute the play, we go back to the bench, we sit down, we drink the Gatorade, and we say, wow, that was a great play call, Pastor. That was a great worship song, people. That was very motivating, very inspiring, but I'm just not going to do anything now. We have the cross that cleanses us of our sins. We have the resurrection that gives us life. And now in this passage, he says, look, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit's going to empower you. He's going to give you strength, in other words, to preach the gospel. And this is your job. And so let me ask you this. What are you waiting for? What are we waiting for? Some of us are getting so lazy right now, right? Some of us are so lazy that we don't even attend the huddle. We're not even coming out to the huddle anymore. It's like the center's calling the huddle and everyone's like, I'm just going to go this way. Like I'm just going to do my own thing. And we don't even come out to the, look, we've made this service so available. Okay, we have 9.30, we have 11.30, we have 9.30 online, we have 11.30 online, you have the internet at your fingertips, and you can access this sermon anywhere, everywhere, at any time. In fact, even after this service is over, it'll be posted on YouTube, and if you didn't catch today's sermon, you can watch it at another time. There is literally no excuse now to not join the huddle. And yet we still miss church, we still miss these things, even though it's so accessible to us. Look, when I was growing up in the church, I remember a lot of people would say this, and I, and I even said it myself. I was like, man, I, I hope God doesn't call me to, like, Africa. I hope he doesn't call me to, like, you know, to Central America. I hope he doesn't call me to Asia. I hope he doesn't call me to be a missionary in, like, the Amazon. Like, I wish, I hope he doesn't do that. And yet I'm here to tell you that he's called every single one of you, including myself, to be a missionary. Maybe not a missionary to Africa or Asia or Central America, but he's called you to be missionaries in your workplaces. He's called you to be missionaries, uh, you know, amongst your friends, in your neighborhoods, wherever you are. He's called you to be missional everywhere you go. Look, generally speaking, right, when you you work your jobs, a lot of you guys have jobs at at corporate offices or whatnot, right? You have a boss or a manager that's in front of you or somebody that's hiring you. Normally, at a job, you get some kind of performance review, right? Or the the manager or the boss will kind of comment on how you're doing, right? And this this is why partly we work really hard, right? We work really hard because we want to impress our CEO, our manager, our boss, or whatever it is. And my question to you is, why don't we work this hard for Jesus, this is the only job he's given to us, is to be missional, and yet we don't do this. Look, if Jesus came to us today, to this church, to us as a group of, as a body of believers, would he say, Wow, good and faithful servants, you've done well? Or would his performance review be, Man, you know what? I've got to put you on some kind of performance improvement plan. Jesus is the CEOs of CEOs he's the managers of managers he's the king of kings he's the lord of lords he's everything he's above all things and yet we don't serve as hard as we do our human bosses so let's move on to our second point what blocks us what blocks us there's really two things that I want to mention here here's what blocks us from being mission okay and this is uh what what I think the passage is bringing out here okay but the first thing is we don't enjoy God we don't enjoy God You have to understand, right, the book of Acts is all about the founding of the church. This is how the church comes about. And at the outset, in chapter 1, this is where Jesus says, look, I want you to go out and be witnesses. Okay? He says, I'm going to go to heaven and you can't follow me there. And if you read the gospel of John, okay, just hold on to that thought. But if you read the gospel of John, what Jesus says constantly over and over again is this. He says, the reason why he came is to glorify the Father. The Father glorifies me, I glorify the Father. Uh, I came to reveal the Father's glory, and, and the Father glorifies the Son. Right? On the cross, the Son is being glorified. On the cross, the Father is being glorified. It's all about God's glory. And in the same way, as a church, our number one uh, sort of aspiration is to bring God glory in some sense. That's our number one thing, right? We're supposed to worship and praise and bring glory to God and to just enjoy God. And in in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, John Piper, in his first chapter, first paragraph, this stuck out to me. Look at what John Piper opens the book by saying. He says, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. See that? Because there are people who don't worship God, missions exist. Uh, 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 Worship, therefore, is the fuel and goal of missions. It's the goal of missions because in missions, we simply aim to bring the nations into white hot enjoyment of god's glory look we exist to worship god to bring him glory that's what we uh, are on earth to do that's what we will do for all of eternity to bring god glory and yet the reason why jesus left us here on earth was so that we could be a church and so that we could bring more people to worship him see that Look, I always, I always thought it was kind of messed up of Jesus, right? I'm kind of play, being playful here, but it's kind of messed up of Jesus to be like, hey, disciples, like you followed me for three years. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to go to paradise. Uh, I'm going to get to be with the Father. I'm going to get to be with the Spirit. Uh, and and I'm going to go to paradise, but you guys stay here on earth. Bye-bye. Right? I'll see you later. I always thought that was right because it's like if I brought a box of donuts here and I was like, hey, look, look at these donuts. Only I can eat them. You can't eat them, right? It's sort of like that. But the reason why Jesus does this, right, in the gospel of John, he says, look, where I go, you cannot follow me. And he says, the reason why you cannot follow me is because I go to prepare a place for you. But he also says this here in this passage, well. he says, look, the reason why you have to stay here is because you have to be now my witnesses. This is why I'm leaving you here. It's not because I'm saying, look at me, I get to go to a better place. It's because I'm leaving you here to be missional, to bring more worshipers into this church. Look, I'm not a marketing, but I hear that the best kind of marketing is, uh, is word of mouth marketing, right? It's when you have a product that's so good, right, that you experience this product and then you go out and you tell your friends about this product because you think it's so awesome. Um, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, parents, young parents like, like myself, we, all the parents are talking about this one thing called the nugget, okay? If you guys don't know what a nugget is, you can Google it afterwards. But the nugget is basically this large cushion. It's like a, a couple of large cushions. Uh, and uh, you can build them into forts and different things for kids to play on. And I'm telling you, this is the hottest thing right now amongst parents. Uh, they want all their kids to have a nugget. And the reason why is because one parent enjoyed the nugget they saw their kids enjoying the nugget, and then they told their other parent friends, hey, look at this nugget. It's awesome. Go buy it. You should get it. And guess what? Now the nugget is, like, back-ordered for, like, a year. You can't order it online. Like, it, they're all sold out for the next year. So my wife and I have tried to order this nugget, and we can't get it because it's, it's back-ordered over a year. And it, and it costs upwards of, like, three $400, and it's just, like, this little cushion. That's all it is. It's crazy, right? This happens because what companies say, and I think this is what companies, the, the, company, the, the language that companies use is they use this term of evangelist. They say that once you enjoy our product so much that you actually go out and you tell your other friends you've become a company's evangelist. You're actually telling them about us. And in the same way, this is why we don't tell people about Christ. Is if we're honest with ourselves, we don't enjoy Christ. We don't really like him. We we think okay, he's kind of like oppressive, like sometimes, like I have to pray, I have to kind of do these things, like I don't really enjoy Christ. This is why we don't like telling people about him. But God designed us in such a way that if we enjoy something, we want to tell people. This is not something that everybody does. This is not, you have to understand that this is built into us. We're designed to be this way. Where if we enjoy, we tell. When we enjoy, we spread. And the reason why we're, we aren't evangelists is because, let's be real, we don't enjoy Christ. We don't enjoy his mercy, his love, his grace. We don't see how beautiful and amazing Christ is, and therefore we don't share him. Here's a second reason that I think uh, we don't uh, evangelize or the reason why we aren't on mission. It's because we're selfish. And I throw myself right into this camp. We are so, so incredibly selfish. Look at verse 3, right? I want you to look there. Uh, it says this. This wasn't the part of our passage. just right before our passage, okay? It says this. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. So there was a lot of proofs that Jesus gave for his resurrection, which we talked about uh, in sermons 1 and 2 and, and even uh, 3 and 4. But then appearing to them 40 days and speaking about what? The kingdom of God. Before Jesus dies on a cross, he's preaching the kingdom. After he rises from the dead, he's preaching the kingdom. This is all Jesus preached about. He talked about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. And yet look at verse 6. Look at what the disciples say. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He's been talking about the kingdom of God. He's been talking about the kingdom of heaven. And yet the disciples ask him the kingdom of Israel. And you see, the, the disciples still at this point in the, in, in the book of Acts don't understand the mission of Jesus Christ. They still think that he's come to actually serve them. You see, the disciples' understanding was that, look, the Messiah is going to come and he's going he's to reestablish Israel's kingdom. He's going to come and take over the Romans. He's going to throw them down. He's going to reestablish Israel. And guess what? We are the new 12 tribes. That's why he chose 12, because it mimics the 12 tribes of Israel. And so the disciples thought, well, you know what, we're going to be the top 12 dogs of this kingdom. And so, man, that's awesome. And this is why you see in the Gospels, right, in the Gospel of Mark, right, James and John, what are they talking about? Who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to sit at the left hand and at the right hand of Christ? Why? Because they're saying, look, there's 12 of us, there are 12 tribes, but there has to be somebody who are more important. Because there has to be somebody who sits on the left and on the right side of this new king. And then in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 18, right, they have this argument about who's going to be the greatest amongst them. Because this is what they were vying for. They, they were Jesus' disciples because they wanted power. They wanted their kingdoms to thrive. And they knew that following Jesus meant a kingdom of their own. And yet they were still in their minds believing that Christ came to establish Israel, not his kingdom. To establish their kingdom, not his own. And, here's what I, and this is why I believe this is what was blocking them from missions. Was the fact that they thought Jesus was there to serve them versus them serving Christ. And this is why we don't enjoy missions because we, we don't enjoy God. We don't enjoy Christ. But at the same time, we just want Christ to serve us, to give to us. We are selfish Christians. We've turned church not into a place that's about worship and giving glory to God. Not about giving our uh, resources to God, but we've turned church into, hey, give me a good TED Talk. Give me a good inspirational, motivational speech. Give me some good songs. Give me some worship. Give me these things that make me feel good. Let me consume, and then I'll go. And then I'll live my life pleasantly with joy and peace and tranquility. And yet, of course, those things are true of Christianity. I hope you're blessed by today's service. I hope that you're filled up with the love of Christ. And yet, this is not the purpose for which why we are here. Look, in college, like I remember I had this really tight, I I used to come to this church in college, and then I moved to L.A. uh, for seminary. But while I was here, I remember we had such a tight-knit college community. There was like 40 or so of us, and it was really pleasant. It was nice. Everybody knew me. I knew them. We had a Wednesday night college fellowship. Um, We did Friday night fellowships as well. And it was an amazing time. When I moved to seminary, when I moved to California, I started looking for churches And I remember trying to look for a church that would resemble my college experience. Where I could find people who would would be around me at all times. Because in college ministry, man, like, there's like, you spend so much time together. You can build such deep friendships in college ministry. You know, you have all your friends around. You hang out at each other's dorms. You're like, you know, eating meals. Like, you're staying up late nights. We used to do like late night worships where we just used to worship till 2 a.m. It was crazy. And so I was trying to find that community in Los Angeles when I was church shopping. And I couldn't find it. And look, I'm about to say something about community and friendship. And I'm not trying to diminish community and friendship because that's so, so important. Don't get me wrong. It's so, so important. I'm going to preach about it next week and the weeks to come. But here's the point. Some of us come to church only to look for friends. Friends. We want church to be this place where we can find friends, and that's the only thing. You just want the church to serve you up good friends. And so you want the church to create programs and ministries that are specifically designed around your life stage circumstance. So you want a mom group just for only moms. You want a husband group for only husbands. You want a young adult ministry just for young adults from 21 to 24. And then you want this ministry and this ministry and this ministry all just for your context so you can find more friends. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that because look, although friendship is important, although community is important, more important than that is worship and missions. That's what we're here for. And we should actually be reaching out in friendship to each other. Like, there's opportunity here. There's opportunity in our classes. We're going to have membership classes in the future. We're going to try to promote community and friendship there. We're going to have different events. We have community groups. All these things to help build and foster friendship. But my job uh, as a pastor here at this church is not to serve you friends. My job is to get you to understand scripture and to see that scripture tells you that we're a mission. This is our goal. This is our vocation. This is our calling. Again, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that friendships and community are bad. They're, it's one of the greatest things about church. It's the greatest things about Christianity is the community, love, and fellowship of the church. I preached about this last week. And yet at the same time, at the same time, this is not the goal or purpose of church. Is not to just simply supply you with good, close friendships. The goal of church is to worship God and to be on missions. That's our goal. Uh, let me put it like this, right? I, I I recently went into a car dealership to look at different cars, and they, you know, they had coffee and popcorn and all this stuff, right? Imagine if I went into a car dealership looking to, bu- like, looking for the best popcorn and coffee in the world. Like, that would be really ridiculous. Why? Because that's not their purpose. Yeah, they want to give you customer service. That's a part of their thing, right? So they offer you coffee and popcorn. But imagine if I were like, oh, this is terrible coffee. This is terrible popcorn. Like, how dare you serve me? You know, Th- that would be ridiculous. Their, their job is to... Sell me a car. Their job, their purpose is to give me a car that I can drive, that I can, buy, that I can buy from them. And in the same way, of course, a byproduct of church is community. A byproduct of church is friendship. A byproduct of being on missions. A byproduct of worshiping is friendship and community and love and all these things. And yet this is not the sole purpose of the church. The sole purpose of the church is to worship God and to be on missions. Um, let's move to our final point. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Uh, Let's look at uh, verse 11. Jesus says this to, uh, or sorry, not Jesus, but the angels, right? Jesus ascends into heaven with all this glory, power, and might, and the angels are standing there, and look at what they say to the disciples. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? What are you doing? Why are you standing around here? There's a mission. He just gave it to you. Why are you standing looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you in heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. What are we waiting? What am I waiting? What are we waiting for? Jesus has given us a mission. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us the cross. He's given us the resurrection. He's given us new life. He's given us all these things. And so what are we waiting for? Why do we not go on missions? Why are we like the disciples looking into heaven saying like, oh, are, you know, what's going on? Why are we just standing around? What are we waiting for? Christ is going to come back the same way he left in power, glory, and might. And when he comes back, he says, look, I'm going to judge. I'm not going to come back as the Savior who was crucified on a cross. I'm going to come back as king. And I'm going to judge and I'm, I'm going to see who my true believers are and who are not. Friends, this time is going to come just as real as I'm speaking to, to you today. And Jesus will come back in power, glory, and might. And so what are we waiting for? Our mission is clear. The motivation for why we should be doing this is clear. So what are we waiting for? Look, Christ has given us everything that we need in life to be on missions. You know, oftentimes I, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I never read this book, but I saw the cover of this book by Francis Chan called Forgotten God. And I, and I saw, like, previews and things for it. And, and I just started thinking about this, why he wrote about this book called Forgotten God. And really in the book, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. We oftentimes forget the Holy Spirit, right? There's the Father. We, we remember him. We worship him. We glorify him. The Son, of course, he's the one who saves us from our sins. But the Holy Spirit oftentimes we forget about. Only in charismatic Pentecostal churches do they actually remember the Holy Spirit, but especially in Presbyterian churches like ours, we forget about the Holy Spirit all the time. And here's, here's, my, here's what I think is the reason why we forget about the Holy Spirit. It's because we're not on mission. If we were on mission, I'm telling you right now, we would desire the Holy Spirit. Right now, all you want are friends and insular thinking and your job to go well and money to come in. And so you don't need the Holy Spirit for that. You don't need the Holy Spirit to give you, like, money and all. You need the Holy Spirit when you're, like, being persecuted for your faith. You need the Holy Spirit when you're telling people about Jesus and they don't want to be your friends anymore. You need Jesus when everyone at your workplace maybe doesn't want to talk to you because you're a Christian and, and they think Christians are weird or something. That's when you need the Holy Spirit. You, I'm telling you, when you're on mission, you will pray fervently. I, I, never, I never started praying so much until I got into ministry. I never started praying so much when I started leading. Why? Because you need the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, if you're not praying, it's most likely reflecting the fact that you're not on mission. Look, I know, I know a lot of what I said is challenging. I hope it's challenging. you. I hope it's pushing. you. But here's where I want to bring it back to. We will never be on mission unless we enjoy Christ first. We will never be on mission unless we first enjoy Christ. And this is where I want to land, friends. I know I've challenged you. I know I've kind of poked you and prodded you a little bit here, but I I, I want to end on this, right? That my goal here is not to guilt you, not to shame you, not to make you feel fearful that you're not on missions. My goal here is to get you to enjoy Christ and to see how beautiful Christ is because that's going to propel you to missions. And look, when we come to Jesus Christ, we don't see a CEO or a boss who comes down on you and says, look at what you've done. You've done such a poor, poor job. Look at how horrible you've done missions. Look at you. No, we don't see that kind of Savior. We see a God and a Lord and a king and a master who says, no, 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 let me wash you. Let me wash your feet. Even though you've betrayed me, let me, let me break my body for you, Peter. Let me show you how much I love you by laying down my life. Let, let me show you how much I love you by shedding my blood on a cross for you. Not by coming down harshly on you, not by scolding you, not becoming aggressive against you, but by washing you and by serving you. And friends, this is the heart of missions. When we begin to grasp who this Jesus is, that we don't worship a God who's mean and sadistic, but we worship a God who serves, who washes, who cleanses, who does all of these things and more. And friends, when we meditate upon the gospel, when we meditate on how good Christ is and we start to enjoy Christ from the inside out, is when we will be propelled towards missions. Is when we will be propelled to be... Be telling people about Christ. Look, look who I have found. You guys remember in John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman, right? He has this. She has this tough, tough conversation with Jesus where he exposes all of her sins. That she's been sleeping with man after man after man after man. And yet she finds Christ. She finds how beautiful he is. And then what does she do? She goes out into the village and she says, come and see. Come and see who I found. I found the Messiah. His name is Jesus. Come and see him. And this is what we will be like, friends. We'll be like that Samaritan woman who, when we see Christ and are so compelled by the vision of Christ, we'll just go out. We'll go to our work. Hey, come come and see. Come and see this Messiah that loves us, that forgives us, that washes clean, that mends broken hearts and gives you new life. We will be propelled to mission when we enjoy Christ, not when we feel fear or condemnation. And so, friends, that's how I want to end today's sermon not by condemning you, not by coming down on your heart, but reminding you of the grace, love, and forgiveness of Christ Jesus. Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, uh, I would be the first one, Lord, to repent. God, even in my own life, Lord, I oftentimes don't reflect the missional heart that I've just preached about, Lord. My wife has been incredibly more missional than I have. She's been blessing our neighbors. She's been praying for our neighbors. And, Lord, she's actually been encouraging me to be more missional, Lord, and I repent of that myself. And, Lord, I suspect that many of us in this place, Lord, as a church, Lord, we need to repent. As a community, Lord, we have to repent. God, that oftentimes we, we only think of ourselves, God. We only think of what you know, what's what's in it for us. And, and yet, Lord, we forget that this life is all about giving. It's about giving glory to you. It's about giving the love of Christ to others. And so, Lord, would you forgive us? Would you wash us clean once again? Would your Holy Spirit remind us, God, and make this truth alive in our hearts, Lord, that Christ Jesus loves us while we were still sinners. Christ Jesus died for us. That while we were still sinners, Lord, that you... Gave your life up for us, and Lord made this white-hot enjoyment, as John Piper puts it, propel us, Lord, into missions. Would it propel us into sharing you with others, Lord? We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Let's all stand in inter- church.